welcome back to another exciting week here in the theater industry. It has been a fun week here in the city, and we're excited to share it with you. Yes, um, it, it's been, I will say, a quieter week this week, but that's also just gearing up for the insanity that's that's right around the corner, and we're excited about it. But um, recapping kind of what's going on or what's to come, uh, starting with Ain't No Moa, this exciting new play that, that was a huge hit at the public theater, um, and it's got returning award-winning stars, um, a lot of history behind this show being made, including the youngest playwright ever on Broadway, making their debut. Um, it will begin previews at the Belasco Theater starting on November 9th. I'm very excited about attending this show. Um, it's, yeah, I'm sure I'll be there more than once. I love that. Also, um, Walking with Ghosts opens on October 27th at the Music Box. Yes. It is a one-person play based on a memoir. So. Again, very excited to see that. Uh, see what that's all about. The Kite Runner plays its final week this week, uh, closing up shop on October 30th to make way for Between Riverside and Crazy. Uh, this was a very fantastic and heartbreaking show based on the novel of the same name. Um, but yeah, Second Stage Theater already starting the season off with a huge bang with that show. Top Dog Underdog opened last week on October 21st. Yes, it was the 20th anniversary of this Pulitzer Prize winning play by Susie Laurie Parks. Uh, it played on Broadway 20 years ago, and it's supposed to be phenomenal. I'm excited to see it uh, actually attending the show tomorrow. Uh, well, I guess when this, this episode's released today. So uh, really excited to see it and, and to fill our patrons in on, on the full review. Kind of turning our attention now to some... Broadway history, um, the Great Lyceum Theater is almost 120 years old. It's 119 years old. Originally, it was called the New Lyceum Theater. Yes, because and, and of all, all the history behind that, you can learn about in our History of Broadway tour. Give Walking my regards tour. to Broadway, yes. Um, but the Lyceum Theater opened in 1903. It was designed by Hertz and Talent. Uh, it is the oldest continuously operated legitimate theater here in New York. And it is currently home to a strange loop, at least through January, so. The Brooks Atkins Theater will be renamed the Lena Horn Theater on November uh, 1st in a ceremony, which will mark the first venue named in honor of a black woman. Yes, we and this year we also just had the renaming of the Court Theater to the James Earl Jones. So now having the Brooks Atkinson being renamed to the Lena Horn. This is exciting. This is a great direction that Broadway's heading into. And maybe we'll see another theater come about. And who knows who it'll be named after. There's also a current bidding war to bring a casino to Times Square. Um, the Broadway League has come out in strong opposition and Actors' Equity has come out in support. So it's it's very interesting. I mean, it's not the first time that these two uh, organizations have butted heads. But a casino in Times Square? Yeah, the, right the now they're planning to put it above the Minskoff Theater. Yeah. Um, so it would be right in the heart of Broadway. And they also want to put another one over in Hudson Yards. But, you know, bringing a casino into... This area, that's that's interesting. I'd love to hear um, your guys' feedback or, you know, just your opinions on the matter because I I can understand both sides. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, so it's just very interesting. So please, if you have an opinion on it, um, send us your thoughts and opinions and we'd love to share them. So moving right along, uh, I want to move on to some show chatter. And there's going to be a lot more. I'd love to spend a little bit more time maybe on the next episode talking about shows kind of circling around the Broadway, like waiting for a theater or in the rumors to come. But for today, I want to focus on some shows that recently made their announcement that they're here they come. Uh, Just announced today, The Life of Pi will be transferring to Broadway from London, and it's going to be playing at the Schoenfeld Theater. And those will start, the performances for that will start at the end of March. And it's a huge hit right now over in the West End. Um, rave reviews, very exciting that it's coming. The puppetry I've been told in the show is absolutely amazing. So very excited about that show coming. 
Also coming over from the West End, Back to the Future the Musical is going to be opening at the Winter Garden Theater in the summer of 2023. Yeah. Hey, the theater you're at right now. Yeah. I'm going to laugh if whatever reason, whatever fates set up that bring you back to the Winter Garden in the summer at Back to the Future. <laughs> it's like you never leave. So... Um, why don't we talk about a couple of the shows that we saw this week and what we thought of them. And the first show I want to talk about out the gate is Death of a Salesman with Sharon DeClark and Wendell Pierce. I'm not going to dive too much into this because a full review has been made for our patrons, but this was brilliant. You know, there's very few things in your life that you see and you go, oh my gosh, that's genius, that's perfection. And this was one of those shows. Um, I really do believe... I'm going to just say it now that this show is going to get Best Revival of a Play and it's Wendell Pierce has got to get the Tony for Best Actor to play. Um, even the director, I think, might even sweep up Best Direction of a Play because it was great reinterpretation and reimagining of one of Arthur Miller's greatest, if not the greatest, works he's ever done. So it was amazing. Three hours, not a chance. It felt much shorter and it was, I'd see it again and I plan to. I love that. Um... We also saw uh, My Broken Language over at Signature Theater. Yes. Um, beautiful piece. Um, won't give away too much, but I I loved how the set was done. It was very integral to the storytelling, and it felt like exploring memories in a sandbox. Yes. Uh, the new work by Chiara Aleg- uh, Alegria Juarez. I'm, I'm awful at names, so I hope I pronounce that right. Um, but she has written a fantastic show with beautiful poetry. And like you said, a really fantastic set. Mm-hmm. An incredible set. Um, and, that, and that beautiful theater and that beautiful intimate space. And the way it's told is gorgeous. So um, really excited for the show. Um, and a, a, t- a good show right now for that that's not necessarily a one of those like preachy or issue shows just a good it's, human it's, show it's, it's an exploration of the author's memoirs yes and so. again i just can't get over the poetry of it so and the last show i want to talk about um was a raisin in the sun at the public which featured and starred a guest of our show tanya pinkins the tanya pinkins um <laughs> And this was such a powerful um, remounting of this seminal, classic, iconic, legendary, just, it's a raisin in the sun, you know what I mean? Um, It was done so beautifully and powerfully and the emotions were so high, but it was also gritty and raw. It's not your typical raisin in the sun, if that makes sense. And the final moments that final 15, 20 minutes. Oh my gosh. What a roller coaster. I'm not going to give away what happened because you just need to go see it. Um, but the director, like, really, and as Tanya said, she she said, this is going to be a different experience than you've ever had with this play before. And she was not kidding. Um, so that was quite the joy and experience of seeing. Our, we are winding down a little bit of our, our Whisper in the Wings. Um, we the those interviews will begin to to be spaced out a bit more, <laughs> which is I mean good good in a way. Won't have to assault the listeners as much over the years. Um, but we've we've still got a lot of exciting things coming on the pipeline. Um, we're attending a gala tonight for Classic Stage Company uh, to help fundraise for them. We are uh, attending a couple of opening nights coming up, which is exciting. And uh, yeah, just a lot of great theater. If you want to hear more information or more in-depth reviews of the shows, please, please, please go visit our Patreon. It's patreon.com slash stagewhisperpod and become a patron. And you can get access to all of that information and more. Yeah, and, and, and your your support does so much good and means the world to us. And it helps us continue to bring you this great content and helps us continue to grow and cover this 
incredible community and art form that we all love. So thank you to all of our amazing patrons out there. And thank you to anyone who's considering becoming a patron. So with that, we now have an exciting episode of Whisper in the Wings for you. And actually, it really is exciting. It was probably one of the most fun interviews I've had. Uh, and I was hooked from the word go. There, there's two things that all I had to see that I was like, great, let's do it. The first was um, it's a return. One of the guests is a returning guest um, who is um, Jake Malovsky. Recently spoke to him about being an actor here in New York and then his recent work with being Andy Warhol. Um, but now he's in a new play and the new play's name, here's the second part that I was like, oh, let's do it, is Space Nuns of the Rescue Mainframe. And I was like, how outrageous, let's talk. Um, so please enjoy this episode of Whisper in the Wings with Hook and I Theater talking about Space Nuns of the Rescue Mainframe. to a really fun-filled and exciting episode of Whisper in the Wings. Um, we have just a fun show and a great panel today joining us. Um, joining us today, we have members from the Hook and Eye Theater who are presenting Space Nuns of the Rescue Mainframe. Joining us, we have Carrie Heitman, who is the co-artistic director of Hook and Eye Theater and also a performer in this show. Chad Lindsay, who is the other co-artistic director of Hook and Eye Theater, and he is the director of this show. And then returning uh, to join us, we have Jake Malovsky, who is playing the role of Cam in this show. And the show is running October 26th through November 13th, Wednesday through Saturday at the Mark O'Donnell Theater in Brooklyn. Everyone, good morning. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Whisper in the Wings. Thank you, Andrew. Nice to be here. Happy to be here. I am really excited to have you here. I am excited to just just dive into things because we were just talking prior to starting and, and all the stuff you guys were like already throwing at me. I was like, this is going to be great. I can't wait. I need more. I, I'm just going to sit back. Here's the questions. I've typed them. <laughs> now just go. Uh, no, but it this... So, so Jake reached out to me about this show uh, and perfect timing because I was putting our calendar together for November and December. And... I, all I needed to see was Jake and the title of the show. And I went, oh, I like him. I don't really know what the hell that title is, but I'm all for it. Um, and I was like, cool, a, a new show. And yeah, Brooklyn, let's do this. Um, and the more I kind of started digging around a little bit, the more I was like, oh, oh, okay, like, let's get into this. So um, why don't you guys tell us and our listeners a little bit more about your show um, Chad, how about how about you go and tell us a little bit about the show first? I will, Andrew. Thank you so very, very much. I am so proud of Space Nuns of the Rescue Mainframe. I'm proud of the title. I'm proud of the play. I'm proud of its inception. Um, it is a, it is a completely crazy, highly energetic, audience participatory, outer space, New Hampshire explosion. Here's what happens. There's a terrestrial story that happens on Earth in New Hampshire, but it's being adapted in real time by two space nuns flying through the air in a data shuttle. In the future, listen, there's no way to accurately describe this show. It's uh, it's a little bit camp. It's a little bit overwhelmingly emotional. It's about the human experience. It's about how we record our lives and what would happen happen if someone came upon the recordings that we leave behind far in the future and tried to anticipate what our lives were like based on our Instagram stories. You know, there's there's a there's a piece of it that's about legacy and digital legacy. And we've chosen to sort of bring forward that notion in a comic way rather than commenting on it snidely or sarcastically. Everybody knows that everybody hates their phone and secretly loves it. But rather than do that, we just thought, what if two wacky half robotic librarians whom we've entitled space nuns were tasked with trying to rescue the data from the early 21st century and, and put it into the right shelf in their 
data library. And, and in doing so, they became in, interested in a story and, and then they decided to parse it. And then in doing that, we get to see the play as they sort of recreate it. That is as close as I can get to a 1.45 minute explanation of space nuns. <laughs> I love, see, and that's what I mean by like, I saw the title and I went, okay, yeah, let's do this. I mean, <laughs> it, it just sounded outrageous and I can't wait. And that typically tends to be some of the best shows where you're just like, yeah, let's go for it. So <laughs> how did you all come upon the show or come up with the show? And let me kick that towards Carrie next. You know, where did you get the inspiration to come up with this? Yeah, I mean, I don't think anybody knew when we started there were going to be space nuns involved. But um, <laughs> if you want something to anchor yourself in, okay, uh, all of our plays are built from the ground up. Um, they are devised and generated, the content and the revision and the performance by the performers in the room. Um and we usually, no, always use uh, <clears throat> a spark from science, history, or myth. Hmm. This go around, uh, Chad really wanted to explore the myth of echo and narcissus um, from Ovid's Metamorphosis. So we did, and we read lots and lots of different versions and then extrapolated out of there. Uh, that process started in 2018. And then we sort of... Um, build through improv and debate and research and people try on each other's characters and write for each other's characters. And we ended up with a draft in 2019 that we did a small workshop sharing of at the flea. And then we iterated on that draft multiple more times, had three other virtual read, two other virtual readings. And now we're here because then we invited a, a playwright to the process and she synthesized our three drafts. And now we're in real time with real people going in and out of space between, you know, space and earth. Um, two characters are Iranian and American. So the terrestrial story is between two families, a white family on the hill in New Hampshire and uh, a family of Iranian American immigrants and how they are inextricably linked. And it's, it, it harkens back to that myth. It's very epic. Yeah, it's um, the only thing, it's funny because whenever we do this, whenever we start with a snag or a spark or whatever this initial idea is, and then we start to spin it around the machine of the four, five, seven, nine of us, it always ends up that we're, we, you know, we land somewhere in some far flung galaxy away from the original idea. And, mm -hmm. and, and all that remains truly of the echo and narcissist myth is the idea that self-representation is a form of narcissism. And some of the characters have names that um, that are echoes of their original uh, character name. And there's a little bit of a love triangle that exists between uh, nar our Narcissus, who is Nick in the play, and uh, and uh, the, the, the part that Jake plays, Cam. Let me uh, stick with you, Chad, for a qu the next question, which was, what was it like developing the show? Well... If you like gave cats LSD and then tried to herd them, ah, mm -hmm. uh, I mean, look, here's the thing. I have been the title director behind my name, but really, it's just encourager in directioner. I, you know, the the way that this happens is always so chaotic because we don't, we really try to let the idea build itself like like a crystal. Like if it starts going in one direction, we follow it until it ends. So it's always amorphous and it's always really hard to quantify and codify. And it's really hard to know when to stop. So mm -hmm. this one was abruptly stopped by COVID and was moved, our process was moved online. And so that had an interesting effect. Um, and, and so I think this one just feels, well, first of all, we've been working on this a long time now. So like several years, it always takes like a year or a year and a half or two even to make our pieces because we start from the ground up. But this one had so much herky-jerky, this way, that way, digital on and off uh, the internet that um, I'm actually shocked to announce that I think it's one of our more cohesive and one of our more uh, 
palatable from an any audience perspective play. It actually has a really lovely little through line. And it has this audience, we, we decided um, late in the process to add this audience engagement element. Um, it had always been a part of our original idea. Because it's not, not in a scary way though, Chad, make sure it's not, oh shit, they're coming into the audience. Oh, <laughs> they have to yeah. do something. So here's how the audience, uh, yeah, you're absolutely right, Carrie. There are many people who do not like the fourth wall broken. There are many audience people who are like, please don't talk to me. Please don't look directly at me. There are footlights there for a reason. And <laughs> But in, in an attempt to make theater an, an unmistakably live event, we have added the element of choose your own adventure or pick a path to this play. And the audience interacts with the content by pointing tiny little red cat lasers at the screen to choose by majority vote which scene they'll see next. That's cool. So, so in addition to being the weirdest playoff off Broadway all <laughs> season, it is also the first play to be guided through the use of pet safe lasers. And it's so brave for that. <laughs> I am so excited for this. Yes. Oh, there's more. You just keep asking questions. We'll keep up with answers. Well, Jake, let me bring you into this part of the conversation. Since, yes, you know, you're sir. playing the role of Cam. What was it like developing the show as well from an actor's perspective? Listen, this is, it's been an incredible experience. I, the reason why I thought it was so important for you to hear from Carrie and Chad is that I joined this process late. I, um, they needed an immediate cast replacement, a casting director that I've worked with before called me in I feel very lucky to have been like sort of like match made and like brought into this process very quickly to play this specific part and so not a part of the generative material um what was such a joy to find is like to walk into the room two days three days after getting connected from like casting director to artistic director and like having the interview audition process to walk into the room and to find such an unique space and to find a space that like was really uh, like self-aware of the type of content it was creating and something that's been like so fulfilling for me is that Chad carry the leadership bring like invite the humor into the process as well there's a lot of like I, I think there's like a lot of joy being had by the the ensemble that is putting it together and I think it's because everybody knows that it's wonky it has heart. Um, it's unlike anything that's been done before. Um, and there's this cool process of like myself, um, um, Afshin, who plays um, the character Nick, who's like my main scene partner, um, who are just like in here for the process, for the rehearsal process. And then there's the whole ensemble of the cast that has been a part of the generative work and it knows it from its history. So there's an interesting meshing of those two things. Let me kick it over to Carrie for this next one. Um, what's the message of the thought that you're hoping audiences take away from the show? I mean, I think there's a couple things. I think one is a kernel that, I've, that is common in a lot of plays, but um, revealed and shared in a different way, which is, you know, your time on earth is finite. How you choose to spend it matters to you as an individual, but it certainly doesn't matter to our entire galaxy right? That, that really we are a moat of dust, but you can make the, the most of your moat of dust should you choose to do so. And it's you really also, the most of moat, a moat of most? A moat of most, you know? <laughs> you, will, you will make mistakes along the way. You will make bad choices. And I think the other is sort of, um, I hope that they take away the layers of craft. There are tons of Easter eggs in the script itself and hopefully will of you know, exploded a lot of those so that people can laugh when we say we have to jettison sonnets 115 to 42, or we had to get rid of 1984 to fill in this, um, it's called the Chloe Chronicles, right? How we are, how we're 
how the space nuns are looking at this data from the 21st century. And I think that they'll, my hope is that some audience members will smile, nod, identify, laugh, agree mm. with like what they recognize in the play and what they recognize of themselves. And you gentlemen, please jump in because it's, it is a hard question, you know, like going from the outside in, well, what is, what's the point for the audience? And I, I imagine it'll be different for a lot of them. I don't know. I would like them to be moved. Yes, I would like the audience to take away the notion of like I, Carrie. I think you're actually hit hit the nail on the head with um, the moat. Um, I just think you know if art holds a mirror up to the audience so that they may see themselves and the the universality of experience. We like to make sure that it's a circus mirror, <laughs> and, oh, and and, and so yeah, and so it's like. It's wacky, it's crazy, it's fun, and it's and it's exciting. But at its heart, you know, is this beautiful narrative of how we spend our time and then how we tell our stories. And and there's a cautionary tale in there about how what we record for posterity and what we worry about as legacy. But I would I would like the audience to also come away with a notion, and this is my like top-down thinking, that there is nothing like live theater. And again, I come back mm. to this because it's just so important for me to pull people out of their houses right now. I'm I'm really genuinely worried. We work with students, we have an education program, we work with students, they're under-socialized. We work with adults who are nervous about walking through a doorway. You know, there is this a very real threat, I understand, but there's also a very real need to find each other again in public spaces. And theater can either be the on the leading edge of the return to real, or it can trail behind and get lost in the, what I like to call the theater of safety. And, and I just want to bring people back and I want to do it safely and I want to do it now. But I'm very excited about that. And I hope people walk out feeling safe, feeling uh, you know excited and also just feeling like, wow, I actually feel much different than I do after I binge watch five seasons of Bones. Even though I 100% love Bones and I have watched all the seasons of Bones and Carrie's shaking her head. Uh, but, you know, it's just, it's an entirely different thing. So I would like them to walk out with an image in their head. It's very, I like, when I direct, I like to make big, bold images because to me, that's what stays with you. I don't know when I saw Theater Complicite do the, some play about the live of the three lives of Lucy Gibral or something in, in Chicago in 1996. But I work with an image from that show that I saw as a springboard, like how many years uh, later? You know, it, one of the most impactful things about theater is that it's ephemeral, and is, and, but also it lodges itself in a special place in your brain. Jake, you is there anything you'd like to add? It's so exciting <clears throat> to hear, especially because I wasn't here for like the beginning of like the first week of rehearsal. It's so exciting to hear Chad talk about this type of stuff. Because as an actor inside the machine, like you will get that. Like that's, it's absolutely, you will get the imagistic quality. You'll get the visual quality, the like um, spectacle of it all. Um, and this like unique wonky thing that that we're talking about with the cat lasers and all this type of stuff, like that is there. But then there's also this very human element to it. And like it, the play itself inside this capsule, this like visual, um, uh, this visual capsule is this um, very human story about people that like you will see and recognize and like exist in 2022 and a story that's actually really I think quite like quite relevant about two very different families coming together um, about relationships family relationships romantic relationships stuff like that so it's yeah it's cool to hear him talk about that can I just add one little last little mm -hmm. nugget? <clears throat> you know, I think Hook and I prides itself on being overtly theatrical and using things like soundscapes and all, all these design elements. And we're only confident enough to take those risks when we, A, trust all the people in the room, right? Mm -hmm. We've assembled a team that can actually do this. So I don't, I, as much as it is wild and zacky and zany and hilarious and all those things, I want to make sure that... Um, we understand that it's still this play where 
you're you're looking at people eye to eye and having these real moments. I don't mm. want to I don't want to undercut that because it's certainly not like a basement theater and we're just playing Mystery Science 3000. Do you know what I mean? Like I just sorry, I just wanted to balance that a little bit. Totally. But, like these are professionals in the room and we're yeah. we're sneaking in yeah. um the you know what it what it means to be innately human and how we connect with one another. Mm. I, I want to ask, who do you hope have access to the show? And Carrie, why don't I start with you? I mean, everyone should come see this show. We're in downtown Brooklyn. You got every train available to you. I mean, mm -hmm. most of them. I don't know how many lines, but there's a lot of them. Look, at, we had, as Chad said, we do have an education arm, so we're bringing our high schoolers. I'm willing to say that this show is appropriate for 13 and above. You know your child best. If you've got a middle, middle schooler, I'm sure they've seen far worse than our show. You know, there's some adult content, okay? There's some sexy times. Let's not give it away, Andrew. But <laughs> so, and there are there are a couple of other, you know, audience outreach areas that we've been working on. We've got a free childcare matinee for our art goers that, um, you know, want to see new work, but don't want to yeah. pay for a sitter because I get it. So that's- We're partnering- this was Carrie's brainchild and mm. Carrie uh, reached out. We're in the same building um, that is occupied by Brooklyn Ballet. And so we're partnering with the ballet to have childcare in the ballet space with a teacher and a couple childcare professionals. So the kids will not only be um, away <laughs> taken care of, they'll also be um, artistically engaged oh, during this. My ballet. gosh, I cannot tell you how many guests I've had who've mentioned wanting something like that. Well, we did it. Uh, that's also half full. So t tell them to hurry up about that. Um, tell them, tell them, some, some other, th some other, two other things on, um, so obviously, uh, both in content and in physical presence with our performers, um, with everything that is, you know, uh, going on with in Iran right now, we're on November 9th on Wednesday, um, a, uh, sort of an in solidarity event. So um, proceeds from our ticket sales and merchandise will go to that evening. Um, we'll have a gathering at a very local, like two blocks away restaurant after the show so we can continue the conversation. Um, that's called Bijan. And so we've got that event. We also have on November 6th, we've partnered with Blue Star Families, which is a military organization that's trying to connect all the um, military families in New York. There's a big base down in Brooklyn, Fort Hamilton. Mm -hmm. and, and because so, because our Nick, the character Nick, to whom we've been referring several times, um, is himself a veteran. So there's a there's a there's a storyline that it was a natural sort of link to. Mm. Yeah. yeah. So that matinee is also half already that we've given free tickets and then a discount for those families. We're having a post show discussion after that so that we can get to know them. Um, we might as well plug, you know, uh, Friday, November 4th is free beer night. So like, <laughs> for the people that just are like, um, I can't pay for a show and my cocktails after, well, then just come to the show. And free we'll beer Friday. Beer, okay. Cam, Cam in the show mm -hmm. runs a bar, you see. So, you know, it wasn't hard to really bring the brewery in. We're still looking <laughs> for our, our um, sponsor for that. Yeah. Andrew, uh, they're doing such cool, like, I hope people that are listening can hear about, like, the cool things that this company is doing. I just think, like, I've been so impressed stepping into the process, like, how, first of all, taking care of their artists and the team, but then also, like, the level of outreach and, like, the thoughtfulness and, like, way that they're going about this. I think it's really, it, like, makes it exciting to be a part of when you have these, like, special interest groups and things that the play is actually touching on, you know? I, I say this with all the endearment in the world, you truly feel like a community theater and that you not only, mm -hmm. like you are established in the community and you're giving back to the community and you have strong roots and it's so incredible to see. You know what I mean? Like the, you're not just like coming into a space and like, we're doing a show and thanks, bye. You're actually yeah. like setting up and you're like, how can we also benefit the area and do good as well as receive good? That is incredible. I think- when theater can be reciprocal, not only receive, but give back, that's when it does the most good, you know? It well, thank you, Andrew. That is what we're trying to do. And it's born of a of a genuine desire to knit the arts to community. And, and then it is also born of a genuine desire to sell all of our tickets. <laughs> <laughs>
switch gears now and I want to give our listeners the opportunity to get to know all of you a little bit better. And I want to start by asking you all, uh, what are some shows or playwrights and composers who have inspired you in the past or are, are some of your favorites? Um, and Chad, why don't I start with you first? I am, have been inspired by, well, I already mentioned Complicite. Um, I worked with Pig Iron, a theater company out of Philadelphia. Um, I was very lucky to to replace one of their cast members in um, Chekhov Lizard Brain when it was in New York. And I, I had such a great time with those dudes, like making strange noises and and again, finding the the power of ensemble creation that I it's really after that experience that I reached out to Carrie and said, this is something that we should use as a springboard to make our own company. Mm. So that was a definite like direct thing. As far as like other just generalized, um, I don't know, how do, who am I inspired by Carrie? Did we write this down? <laughs> <laughs> um, I, like, I like, um, I'm, I'm a dancer. I, I used to dance more than I acted and then I was an actor and now I wear overalls. And, <laughs> um, but I'm, I'm very inspired in my directorial work by movement and the world of dance, especially modern dance and, and really stemming from uh, Pina Bausch, the movement style, the sort of dance theater. Um, Pina Bausch is a, I don't know, she's deceased, but she led Dance Theater Wuppertal, which is a German dance theater company and their work has always inspired me. The first thing I saw was Rite of Spring. Oh, Stravinsky just in general. Uh, but but this the marriage of of quotidian action and where gesture meets movement um, when when gesture becomes movement um, is a, a place I like to play. That's all I have to say. I'm talking too much. Carrie, how about you? Carrie's inspired by silence. Mm. <laughs> sorry, sorry. I was I was looking up a playwright of what I'm on. I'm not inspired by silence. Oh, so, you know, silence has to be earned. Let's be real clear about that. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, I'm inspired by a lot of things and a lot of work. I will say that um, a play that moved me relatively recently was Mary Seacole at LCT3. I feel that they often do um, some more experimental stuff. And this was a great story. It's by Jackie Sibyls Rui. And, and this was about... Um, a, a Scottish Jamaican woman who was denied kind of by Florence Nightingale. The point is it's, it takes the point of view of caregivers all over the globe um, and sort of who and what and how do we define those people that are caregivers. But then everybody got to play different roles and uh, there was crazy melee at the end. So anything that uh, get, is really other than Chad and I always have a joke that like a two-hander or a four-handed or a, like set in a living room just about who's sleeping with who is not really that interesting hmm. to us. And um, unless you add nuns. Unless you add space so nuns, true. for sure. Although I, I will say, yeah, Chad, this is kind of the first play that we're actually doing that a little bit. Um, <laughs> a. And B, I was going to bring out um, our love of the outdoors and nature but that's that's for another conversation so i'm going to stop there mm. now jake i know we've had you on the show before yes um unfortunately we spoke many moons and then it took many moons to get our interview aired. no worries friend. um but what what i'm going to ask you again the same question perhaps it changed or or you wanted to add to the list totally <laughs> i'm like looking around my room to see what I have like what books I have in my thing I have been trying pillows, to do pillows blankets rapes. sort of sun I have been trying to read more like plays by queer playwrights plays about queer people um, it's one of the things that I like about when I was offered this role the role of Cam Cam is a queer character I like think it's really he's written in a really interesting and honest way um so I'm having in my room here The Inheritance by Matthew Lopez, other plays by Matthew Lopez. I've got All the Rage by Martin Moran, which was one of the first plays that I had seen when I moved to the city. So stuff like that. Yeah. I know that you've all been busy rehearsing that, but have you seen any theater lately that you might be able to recommend to our listeners? 
I saw, but it's closed. I saw American Television at New York Theater Workshop, oh. which was a co-pro with Theater Me Too, and that was fierce. So shout out to Theater Me Too and New York Theater Workshop. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other thing I saw, which is also not here anymore at BAM, is the Jamie Lloyd Company and their version of Cyrano. So if you ever get a chance to see Jamie Lloyd Theater Company's mm. work, please do that because you will be uh, very happy you did so. That was the first time I've ever seen Cyrano, and I was blown away. Wow! Yeah. Yeah, I know, I know. I, 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 I'm shameful. It's enough, okay if you're going to see a version of it. That's the one to do. Otherwise, yeah. do we read? Do we really need that many revivals? It's debatable. That was it. It was really impressive. I liked, I liked people, places, and things. That was at St. Anne's Warehouse, but I don't even know where the production came from. Do, does anyone remember? It was fantastic. If you have a time machine, you should go back in time and see it. You should probably go see Emma Rice's Weathering Heights at St. Anne's. Oh, that's I, what's there right oh. now, yeah. I know, and I want to go to see it, but oh, all of our shows are during their shows. So, so don't, don't go see that. Come see Space Nuns and yeah. the Rescue Mainframe. Sorry, you should definitely come see Space <laughs> Nuns and the Rescue Mainframe. And that, just because Chad, she's former artistic director of Knee High and Knee High is now closed. Yeah, 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 I know. I'm excited. Yes. I walked right by St. Anne's Warehouse the other day and it was a lovely New York evening. And here we are in the middle of my favorite temperature range mm. and I'm stuck in a theater. So the other night I got out and I waltzed by St. Anne's Warehouse and I was like, ah, I'd love to go see that, that play. I almost said film, but I'm making one. And then I felt better again. <laughs> I'm complex <laughs> in zero ways. What is your favorite part about working in the theater? And you know what, Chad, why don't we start with you on that one? Oh my God. Um, oh my God. Well, my favorite part about working in the theater is that we know all secretly at our hearts that we are practitioners of magic. And it's the only kind that's real. And it's the only kind that works. And the people who know how to do it are amazing and fun to be around. So that's what's fun. The people, the magicians. Uh, Jake, how about you? My favorite part of working in the theater, comma, is um, it, actually, I like, I'm going to call back to what you said, Andrew, when you were like, there's a little inside joke going on here. That is what it feels like to be in the room. Like there is a little like smirk, like smirk, smile, wink, and um i think in the best processes like that's what it that's what it feels like yeah so that's like my favorite part when you can find that experience and so that that real answer is it's the people because that's all about the people but it's that experience of like you're making something together there's a little bit of a inside joke going on and i love that and carrie yeah i know it's the people for sure and i also think it's that i love to be a witness to people off kilter I love to be witness to risk taking and I love to be witness to vulnerability and 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 reminds me that I could do all of those things more too maybe sometimes in real life but the fact that in in it's a federal state you get to witness that and I think that there's nothing else like it now want to ask my favorite question and typically the one that makes my guests groan (laughs) which is what is your favorite theater memory and i will go to i'm gonna go to jake first because i've asked him this before so i'm gonna give the other two just a second but i'm gonna go to jake first i will just say that over the past couple of weeks i've had a few times where i'm working as a graduate assistant up at barnard columbia i'm working with their performing arts students there and like working with their student performance. And so I've had a few days where I've like spent all day with them watching their stuff, just hearing what they're doing, what they're dreaming about, thinking about, and then have run down to my own gig and like run down and like gone into a rehearsal process and as a, you know, professional working actor. And there's a lot of joy and like bliss in that for me. Like that feels really um yeah feels like a good use of time and like a like a real joyous um 
theater experience, like the full life cycle, sort of, of like what it is to be like a pre-professional person in university and like studying and trying to make some stuff. And then to go down with some, with our cast as people of all different age ranges, people that have been doing this for a very short time, people that have been doing it for a long time, um, lots of different styles of craft. And that feels really, that has, it's something that in three weeks from now will be a really great memory. And I'm enjoying it as it's happening. Oh, that's awesome. Congrats on that. Thank you. Thanks, Jake. Carrie, let's uh let's go to you next. Yeah, I have two. Awesome. Yay. And the first one is really, really fun because um we did this piece called God is a Verb, Look It Up, inspired by Buckminster Fuller. And um we all built a geodesic dome in real time on stage, and then there was clog dancing. So that's a <laughs> that is a really great theatrical memory. The other is um, Chad and I met 432 years ago in um, Michigan. <laughs> in Michigan, we went to high school together. Yeah, and um, I'm not gonna. I'm actually not gonna talk about the shows that we did in high school together. <laughs> so I'm not sure about those memories because we were in a carpeted gym. I'm gonna say that again: carpeted gym. The gymatorium. The gymatorium. But um, no. So my my parents are big supporters of the arts, and we would we would we would go to Stratford, the Stratford Festival in Ontario and Canada, because it was, it was very easy to actually go there. And I saw a production of Hamlet when I was eight and Hamlet, not so much, but the fact that I was like, so wait, people, people get paid to do that. People get paid to do this. And they're all like working together and like rolling around on the floor. I'm in that, that has always stuck with me. And, you know, maybe I'll play Hamlet tomorrow. Chad, uh, what is yeah. your theater memory? I already gave you my theater memories, the Three Lives of Lucy Cabral and Pina Bausch, Rite of Spring. But my favorite, those are my like inspirational favorite moments. I think my favorite theater moments are when something goes wrong. But Jake, close your ears. Carrie, close your ears too. Um, I went up, I was in a, I was in a production of a, a musical called Harmony by Barry Manilow in, um, Los Angeles at the Amundsen and uh I went up on a line like I'm getting a sweaty forearms just thinking about it I was playing a Nazi and just the coolest e like source of evil on the stage while everyone sort of trembled and it's like yeah. completely counter to my the the feeling the feeling of mutual like the fluctuation between mutual terror and then support. And then this is how long it took me to me to remember the line. That went, we went, there was a ripple of terror on stage and then a ripple of like support on stage. And then we all just kind of were stifling giggles. And like, there's just, this is what live theater is. You know, there's, things can always, always go wrong and you can't fix it in post. And so my favorite memories are truly when you, when there are cracks in the sheen. And uh, the reason I had Jake and Carrie close their ears is because they're, but unfortunately in this piece, we can't have any of those. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, wrapping things up, um, are there any other projects or productions that we can plug for you guys that you have coming on the pipeline? Well, I'll tell you what, we three times a year, we do something called uh, an instant play lab, and they are audience and community focused artistic uh, sort of theater making events. They take place in one evening, we arrive at six, we leave by 9.30 or 10. And in that time, we split up, we warm up together, we split up into groups, we tackle a single topic, we make five little plays about that topic, we crack open some wine, and we show each other what we've made. And they are some of the most gratifying and intensely fun evenings of theatrical collaboration that I've ever been a part of. And we made them. Um, so one of those will be coming along soon. If people want to follow us um, on stupid socials, they should. And if people want to uh, sign up for our email blasts, which we are very, very discerning about how many we do, um, that's also available on the website. That's the best way to know what's happening next with Hook and I. And finally, if our listeners want more information about Space Nuns of the Rescue Mainframe or Hook and Eye Theater, or even about the three of you and they want to reach out to all of that, how can they do so? www.hookandeyetheater with an E-R 
com. Just the website has most everything you'll need, including links to our socials where things roll out a little bit faster. Um, I don't need anybody to find out about me personally, but Jake, do you want, do you have a, you have jakemalovsky.com, don't you? Yes. You can find out about <laughs> me personally and all, all there is to know at jakemalovsky.com. <laughs> and you can find me on Instagram if you want. No, yeah, there's, yeah, yeah. They can yeah. email us um through the through the website too we're happy to talk to anybody anytime well my guests today have been carrie heitman and chad Lindsay, who are the co-artistic directors of hook and eye theater uh chad is the director of their upcoming uh production of space nuns of the rescue mainframe carrie is performing in it and also we've had jake malovsky who is playing the role of cam in that production space nuns of the rescue mainframe is running october 26th through november 13th wednesday through saturdays at the mark o'donnell theater in brooklyn new york you can get your tickets and you should be getting your tickets right now uh, by visiting hookandeyetheater.com and that's theater with an er uh, we're going to have all of this information uh, posted on the episode description along with uh, on our social media. And I can tell you right now that we will be attending this show. So you don't want to miss out. And if you're wanting to uh, join us for this show, we will be attending it on November 5th. So make sure that you uh, come out and join us to see this incredible show. Yes, we're looking forward to it, Andrew. Chad, Jake, Carrie, thank you so much for taking the time to join us and tell us about this incredible show. I am so excited about it. You guys have been a blast. This show sounds amazing. So all the best. Thank you again for joining us here. Thank you pleasure. so much, Andrew. What thank joy. You, Andrew. Thank you. We'll see you soon. So until next time, I'm Andrew Cortez reminding you to turn off your cell phones. Unwrap your candies and keep your masks on. And keep talking about the theater. In a stage whisper. Thank you. If you like what you hear, please leave a five-star review, like, and subscribe. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Stage Whisper Pod. And feel free to reach out to us with your comments and personal stories at stagewhisperpod at gmail.com. Our theme song is DJ by Jazzar. Other music on this episode provided by Jazzar, Loyalty Freak Music, Music for Wildlife, and Billy Murray. You can also become a patron of our show by logging on to patreon.com slash stagewhisperpod. There you'll find all the information about our backstage pass. Thank you so much for your generosity. We could not do this show without you.